Section four of Horror Stories by Ada Buisson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Baron's Coffin, published in Belgravia in 1869. The Baron's Coffin, Chapter One The Discovery. Down in the southwest of France, not very far from Bordeaux, or, to speak more exactly, about the middle of a line drawn directly from that town to air stands a curious old chateau you might pass within a stone's throw of it and not be aware of its existence so closely is it shrouded by the thick forest of pines for which that part of the country is famed its position is very solitary far removed from even a village and the little rutty road leading to it is but a cross and unfrequented cut from one highway to another still there it stands under the blue skies of gascony surrounded by its dark woods an enviable possession in spite of its loneliness and queer architecture and dark deeds were done there in times and by men not very long passed away i made acquaintance with the place under a professional introduction in this wise i was an architect young struggling with i thought a great deal of talent which society neglected to its own injury and mine i had no work and i had no means moreover i was in feeble health one day my old master who had always had a kindness for me said owen my boy i've got a job for you to do if you are not too much engaged the dear old fellow spoke quite gravely though he knew as well as i did that my only engagements were dinners and suppers with my fellow idlers to go abroad i dare say i could manage it i replied quickly it's to go and examine an old chateau in the south of france a tumble-down old place i'm told but which the family pride of its possessor won't allow to go to utter ruin you've heard me speak of old baron de gaulle well it's one of his places the one i believe from which his family derive their title and though he hates his native country like the devil he wants to take care of the old chateau the job won't take you very long but after you've made your report he wants the place thoroughly repaired or rather restored you can pass your summer weeks very pleasantly by taking up your lodging there and directing the work you are to have english workmen sent to you the old baron would use english mortar i believe if he could you speak french i think almost as well as english i replied thankfully then the business is settled i will give you the address of monsieur de gaulle and you can take his directions from himself the baron's directions were not much longer than my master's only restore the place add nothing take away nothing my good sir and spare no expense in twenty-four hours after hearing those words i was on my way in forty-eight hours i was standing within the pine wood looking up at the crazy curious old chateau wondering whether successive generations had contrived this piece of architectural patchwork or some clever but muddled brain its only occupant was a tall middle-aged woman 
who to my eyes unaccustomed to the dark beauty and picturesque costume of the southern women offered a charming contrast to our english peasantry she was prepared for my coming and received me hospitably not altogether sorry i fancied to have some break in her monotonous life and some companion for her solitude for i found she had been busily employed for my comfort and was most courteous in her endeavours to smooth the way to conversation truth to tell my french was not quite so perfect as i had first thought it however we soon became excellent friends and though my conversation was confined to short phrases and pleasant grimaces i soon learnt to understand her perfectly it was rather a dull life when the novelty of the place and climate had worn off my surveying of course occupied most of my mornings but i had no intention of overworking myself and it was difficult to find amusement for the leisure hours i couldn't always be walking about the country being companionless it was slow work neither could i be content to spend the long evenings smoking under the pines again even josette's conversation was apt to grow tiresome and i had no books beyond those my profession required i began to understand the word ennui and to feel ungrateful to the old baron for his job and to pine for london smoke when one morning josette to whom i had confided my disgust of life said in her most maternal tones monsieur should distract his mind why doesn't monsieur read reading is very amusing i believe josette thought she was introducing me to a new branch of education she spoke the word read in so solemn a voice and where shall i find the books i asked impatiently surely monsieur knows surely monsieur can get them for himself josette said nervously he certainly could if he knew where from i answered pettishly why in monsieur le baron's room there were books numbers in the baron's room whereabouts why under the big bed and after saying that josette put the bottle of wine she was bringing me on the table and went out of the room i finished my breakfast and then went up slowly to the room called the baron's it was in a very out-of-the-way part of the house low-ceilinged octagon-shaped and furnished with lumbering old furniture after the bare fashion of old french chateau i had visited it but once or twice my attention being still given to the more modern portion of the house evidently josette held it in disfavour for the dust lay thickly on chairs and tables and on some of the furniture were large stains of mould while over the closed windows spiders had woven curtains of delicate web i threw open the jalousies and let in a little of the fresh air and morning sunshine and as i did so a rustling and then sweeping sound came from under the english four-post bed which stood in gloomy grandeur in the corner of the room i was not of a nervous temperament and that sound did not even startle me but when the next moment i stooped and lifted up the moth-eating hangings to search for the box of books i certainly did start back with an exclamation of something more than surprise under the bed stood a large black coffin 
for an instant i felt inclined to get away as fast as i could i turned sick but as i said before i was not naturally nervous and the feeling soon passed off besides the sunshine was flooding the dusty old room and from the window a peaceful scene of woods and fields and deep blue sky was visible and i hold that daylight and nature are powerful foes to fear and superstition i looked again it was a coffin of that there was no doubt a large coffin too covered with black velvet and studded with black nails and the lid was lying on it but it bore no plate or cross or ornament of any kind a sudden idea crossed my mind it contained the books perhaps and so i put forth my hand bravely and using all my strength drew it forward there was something uncanny in the hollow sound made by the lid as it fell on the ground but i would not be horrified and with a brave hand i lifted up a large sheet of fine lawn neatly covering something and then a yellow piece of linen and then something that looked like a garment grave clothes i thought to myself and then my fingers touched some hard substances books thank heaven a few dusty ponderous volumes of voltaire rousseau and other philosophers of the same genus i soon pulled forth to the light of day which they had evidently not seen for years so yellow were their pages and then i found a cushion lining the bottom and a little pillow on which was the visible impress of a human head and a stain or two of blood the sight of the books had reassured me but that round scoop in the pillow and the stains gave me another uncomfortable thrill i turned eagerly to the lid and examined it it had been used there were the holes of the screws and one long rusty nail was still sticking firmly in it whilst on the outside were marks of its having come in close contact with a clayey soil it had a dreadfully earthy smell too i drew back with a faint shudder after all it was a gloomy object to find under that gloomy bed in that ancient gloomy room and josette had been so eloquent during our solitary evenings with horrible stories of the de gaulle's past and present that i may be pardoned if as i bent over this strange piece of lumber and heard shuffling footsteps coming faintly along the passage i uttered a horrified cry the footsteps came nearer and it seemed to me more rapidly as my scream or rather exclamation sounded awfully audible through the stillness of the house and then to my horror the door of the room was opened suddenly and a face that even now i can never think of without a shudder peered through it it was so old so old that features bearing the stamp of seventy years would have seemed youthful beside it drawn and puckered and shrunk till it scarcely looked human while two red seams on either side of the mouth seemed to extend it from ear to ear in a perpetual ghastly grin on the chin grew a scanty tuft of long white hairs but the scalp was entirely bald and to increase the horror of such an object the left ear was gone and the right so frightfully mutilated 
that it was only by the position i recognised what the hideous lump of flesh had been my first thought was that before me stood the former occupant of the coffin and all the stories of ghosts vampires dead men wandering about their old haunts wronged spirits tormenting those who had wronged them rushed to my mind with the terrible conviction that i was about to be forced to add myself to the number of their believers when from that hideous mouth came the sound of a human voice said the aged apparition tremulously i don't know exactly what i said or what i did i have a faint recollection of pitching a volume of rousseau at the spectre's head and then rushing down the old staircase at a rate that was increased by hearing a peal of goblin laughter echo through the house josette met me mais que donc? she exclaimed in alarm have you seen the ghost of old monsieur le baron i have seen an awful object i answered breathlessly i have seen moi exclaimed a voice on the staircase and looking up there we saw the hideous face grinning at us over the balustrades ah mon pauvre grand-père c'est toi said josette composedly then turning to me she laughed till the tears dimmed her black eyes i went out of the chateau in a huff for i was young enough to resent being laughed at by a woman even though that woman were an ignorant peasant and i remained out until nearly dark when i returned to the chateau i found my dinner comfortably prepared for me and josette in a repentant frame of mind she did not make allusion to the morning's adventure but when she brought me in my dessert she said with the gracious familiarity the french lower class so often assume with their superiors that she and her grandfather were going to sit in the garden under the limes and that if i would come and smoke my cigar i should find it very pleasant and added josette her grandpapa would be so glad to have a little talk and he did not look so ugly in the dusk i was not altogether pleased with the invitation but i could not do otherwise than accept it the old man received me very politely he was sitting in an armchair placed so that the moonlight did not fall on his ghastly features we made a few observations on the scene on my object in coming to the chateau etc and then the old man keeping his hands curled in a curious fashion over the places where his ears ought to have been i suppose to supply their lost assistance said i am sorry i frightened monsieur this morning i know i am a frightful object to look upon but at a hundred years of age one can't expect to be handsome a hundred years are you really as old as that mais oui monsieur it's a long life a very long life and the times i have passed through have been stirring times for france and frenchmen but i'm getting weary of it why monsieur my playmates were those whose bones are buried in heaps at marengo and austerlitz who lie deep down in the blood pits of the guillotine i don't wonder you took me for a ghost why mine ought to be wandering about with the old barons we've played together in life many a time 
the old man's voice trembled more as he spoke the last words the old baron i exclaimed that is the father of the present monsieur de gaulle i suppose why what makes his ghost walk more than the other de gaulle's was he more wicked and perhaps you can tell me for what reason he kept that ugly great coffin under his bed the coffin ah the great black coffin repeated the old man slowly i remember that time well tell us grandfather said josette it's a beautiful night to tell a story in the open air wait and i'll give you a goot to brighten your memory there now tell us about the black coffin under the baron's bed End of section 4